When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The U, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. It's a cane thing when we walk through, with the U ain't no bark, dude, straight dog when we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright Welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast, I'm Manny Navarro, your host. It is around 11.40 a.m. Thursday, December 2nd. I've got Carlos Leto of the MIA All Day Podcast back on with me again. Discuss all things hurricanes. Been a crazy couple days, uh, Carlos, since the end of the regular season. Uh, since Miami um, ended it with that blowout of Duke. Uh, everybody has, has been watching college football. Has seen some major moves, obviously. Lincoln Riley going from Oklahoma to USC. Brian Kelly from Notre Dame to LSU. And so everybody's like, "What? where's Mario? Why isn't he here yet at Miami? <laughs> and I think it's pretty obvious that uh, he's coaching in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday. His focus is there. And I think if there's any chance of the University of Miami getting him, it'll happen after that. Um, a lot on the AD front, a lot of names being thrown out there. Um, I reported a couple of days ago for The Athletic that um, Eddie Nunez was among the top candidates. Uh, and then last night, um, I was told uh, through multiple sources in college football, um, including those very close to Eddie, that he pulled out of the running for Miami's athletic director job. I know there's a lot of speculation as to why. Why would he do that? Um, what other people are in the running? There's so many questions from, from different people. I will say this. I, I have spoken to people in Miami's administration this morning, and I can confirm 1,000% that Eddie Nunez was one of their top candidates, a guy that they like a whole lot. Um, they think they view him as a rising star in the athletic director uh, business. And I think internally Miami feels like if they selected him ultimately, which they, again, they're, they're still in the middle of that process, Carlos, um, they feel like if they selected him, that they might be able to convince him to come. Um, I know from having conversations um, with Eddie's people, and other reporters who I work with at The Athletic, who these are national reporters and have really, really good sources that, um, you know, some of the things that Eddie saw during his interview process, he didn't necessarily like. I think um, while, while the subject of uh, a football czar was never uh, broached with him by Miami, per se, um, you know, he knows that's something that it was being considered. And I think a guy like Eddie, who's in his mid, mid 40s at a, at a school like New Mexico, uh, taking a power five job like this, if you don't give him the power to oversee football, if you give it to an Alonzo Highsmith or to a Gino Toretto or to somebody else, I, I think it's just something that for a guy like him, it's sort of a non-starter. So I think for various reasons, um, you know, it didn't work out. But again, I was told this morning that, you know, they think that if they really wanted Eddie, that they would somehow be able to work it out. So I, what I've learned throughout this whole process, Carlos, is there's a lot of people who say things, a lot of people involved in this process, but in the end, 
only a few people know what's really going on. And all I can do is report it as best as possible. And, and that's what I'm trying to do here. But what is what has been your thoughts watching all of this after everything I just said and knowing everything that's sort of been out there in the media of, of where the situation is going into this Pac-12 championship game where Manny Diaz lands or he's out in the wind, right? Trying to trying to recruit without <laughs> knowing what his future is. Um, what do you how do you view this situation? What's your opinion? Well, first, since they haven't made a decision yet, I'm going to put myself in and put throw my hat in the ring here and tell Rudy, hey, listen, man, I'm available. Um, maybe if you don't need a football czar or an AD, if you got those guys locked up, maybe I could be like your snack bar czar or maybe your your chicken wing and beer czar. I can I can be whatever you need me to be if the money's right. But you got to come correct with the package, Rudy. OK, I just need some money. If, if you're right with the, with the cash, I'm there for you. All right. We'll discuss the role later. I'm flexible. Anyway. Um, as far as what's going on, like it's, it's crazy to me, to me, the most interesting thing about everything that's been thrown around this week is, you know, it's only, it feels like it's been a month and a half since all the shit went down with Lincoln Riley and all the stuff happened from this weekend. And then the big major changes on Monday, and it's only been a few days. And the reason why it feels like it's been a month and a half is because Kane's Twitter has been absolutely losing their shit every hour on the hour when a decision has not been made about AD and coach, it looks like the sky is falling. And everybody is completely losing their minds and 17 names get thrown around and guaranteed that are, have been hired. And then all of a sudden it changes and people are like, no, I didn't really mean that. What I meant was this guy. This is a real information or it was this guy. But, you know, at the last second, this thing changed. So now I got this guy. This is a real info. It's really crazy to me. So that's hilarious. I find that interesting that they're kind of like going back and forth. What I also find interesting is they hitch their horse to a wagon of uh, some AD candidate. And then if that candidate doesn't get selected or somebody else push, is pushed to the forefront as a top candidate, they automatically say, all right, screw that old guy. This is the guy we're riding with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the guy I really wanted. Then that guy, like Eddie Nunez, decides to pull out of the race. And then he's an asshole because he didn't want to take the UM job. Like, hey, screw you, Eddie Nunez. I never wanted you anyway. Like, why were we going to take a guy from New Mexico? It's, it's really funny. But as far as the whole thing with Eddie Nunez, like, I, I really wanted him to get the job. Because like you said, first of all, um, he's, he's a qualified guy. He's a Miami guy. He went to Miami High. I knew of Eddie because he graduated from Miami High. I think it was my freshman year when I was in eighth grade. And I followed the Miami High basketball team because I had friends that went to Miami High that were older than me. I was going to that school uh, eventually. So I was really into the sports programs there. I knew all the guys that, that played there. Um, a few of my friends, um, you know, played for the basketball team, ended up coaching uh, my, at Miami High. Like Marcus Carreño that I grew up with. He was a head basketball coach there for a while. And just other guys that I grew up with, Benny Valdez. So I knew about... Eddie Nunez. And I also worked with his uncle Tiger when I was coaching and teaching at Matter Academy. He was an AP at Matter Academy at the time. And believe it or not, Eddie's cousin was my night school teacher in Miami High also. So I have a, a lot of connections to Nunez. Anyway, I, I thought it would be great just from you know standpoint of seeing a Miami guy come back home, get this position, and be able to fulfill it aside from the fact that he is extremely qualified. Now, things didn't work out. You know, Eddie didn't feel it was the right situation for him or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, I think what needs to happen here is there needs to be some sort of a consistent message from the university as to what they want and what they're looking for and what they tell the candidates up front. On my last podcast, I discussed how search firms work and what their job is going into the search and then executing the search. One of the things that you do as a search firm is to um, go in there and ask what are the deal breakers, right? What are things that you want candidates to know up front? That if they say no to, then it's over, right? 
So if one of the things is a football czar, if that's something you're seriously considering, then you should have the courtesy or at least the respect to present that on the front end during the pre-screen with the, the searcher agency and let them know if that's a situation that you're not comfortable with, then, then we can end the process right now because this is something we need or something we're seriously considering. Okay. If it gets to the stage where you're going to a second interview with the university and that's when the subject gets broached or there's mixed messages going into it and you don't get a real answer, then that's a problem because then you're, you don't have your shit together then you don't have a clear plan of what it is you want or what you want to do. To me, it makes sense to have a football czar like, like Alonzo Highsmith if you're keeping Manny Diaz and if you have an inexperienced AD that's coming in, right? Because then you can see the value. Or a guy that's not an AD, that's an associate AD, who's never run a major program before, that would need that support with football because it entails so much. Uh, or the other way you could do it is you have an experienced AD, a guy who's such a veteran or a woman who's such a veteran, who's so experienced that their authority is unquestioned, that their leadership is unquestioned, that they feel comfortable and secure enough to have somebody in that role because they feel like they're delegating and they don't need to concentrate on that as much. But somebody in the middle, like Eddie Nunez, who's jumping from Mountain West to Power Five and trying to make a name for themselves to try and show they can run a major program, you cannot undercut them that way because then they lose authority the minute they step onto the, onto the program, right? Into the university. So now what you're doing is you're asking somebody to have 100% accountability, but not have 100% control or power over the programs that they are supposed to improve. Correct. And, and I think, you know, again, that's that you go through this process, you have people that you view as good candidates, and in the end, you pick the best possible one. And I never reported that Eddie Nunez was the number one candidate or that they offered him the job. As of this morning, nobody has been offered the athletic director job. They haven't gotten to the point where they've made the decision of who is going to get the job or who Which they is want why I'm to throwing my hand over, Rudy. I'm here for you, baby. <laughs> Uh, I, and so I, I just think, you know, again, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of people putting stuff out, rumors, this rumors that, you know, uh, Epstein, you know, part of the board of trustees is pushing his people. And then there's the quote unquote Columbus crew with Alonzo Highsmith and uh, Moss and all these all these guys, uh, Ruiz, that are that are pushing their candidates. I get all that. I get all the speculation. Uh, Mike Ryan from from Levitard's uh, show went on the air today. I, he had another update on it. Um, you know, talking about, you know, the fact that, that, that Eddie Nunez, if they, if they came at him correct, that they could probably get him. Yeah. I mean, all of that, I think there's a chance of that I think certainly from Miami's perspective, I think they feel like if they were that they could get Nunez, but in the end, look, we don't know who all the candidates are. Some of the names have not been released. Right. Um, and when I spoke to Miami's administration today, um, they didn't give me any more names. Now I'm going to take a guess at who some of those names are. Um, you know, for the sake of this podcast, I think one could potentially be uh, Cle Clemson's AD, Dan Radakovich. Um, I think it could be FAU's AD, Brian White. Um, those are guys that, uh, from what I understand from the beginning, you know, I know Miami, uh, first of all, they have a tie with Radakovich. He was a business manager here from 83 to 85. So it makes sense that, you know, he's, he's at Clemson. He's had a lot of success that they would make a run at a guy like that, that they would interview a guy like that for this job and try to sell him on the fact that things are supposed to be changing here, that they're going to invest more money into the athletic program. Um, you know, White is a guy who's at FAU. He's been there for the last couple of years. He's familiar with the South Florida market. There's reasons to like him as, as a potential candidate. But in the end, again, we have no idea how far this AD search expands. And I think ultimately, how much this AD search even plays a role in the football coach situation, because I think, again, and I've said this since November 2nd, when I first sat down and wrote a story and, and spoke to the administration, it is two separate hires. 
in their eyes. Right. Okay. Miami's administration has treated this as the football coach is separate from the athletic director. Now, do you need symmetry between your athletic director and your football coach? No question. If you're going to go after Mario Cristobal, you want a guy that he's going to be happy to work with. But ultimately, okay, um, this interview process is going on before they have any clue if Mario is serious about this job. Okay. Now, we can sit here and say, and this is, and I've done all these Twitter spaces for a couple of days now. And people raise this question over and over again. Well, yeah, no, it seems like every time I flip on the Twitter app, especially late at night, I see Twitter space in your faces on there. I'm like, my God, this guy needs some sleep. It, I'm recruiting subscribers. I've done a good job. I've, I think I've got, I've gotten 200 since November started. Uh, and, and that's a good number, you know, for, uh, for this time of year to get that many people to jump on board. But, uh, but anyway, the, the point is, um, I think, you know, the, the question that keeps getting asked, asked over and over again is, well, couldn't they have been behind the scenes? Yes, of course. I mean, you don't think Lincoln Riley's people and Brian Kelly's people were having conversations for weeks before they took the job. That doesn't mean that they weren't focused on their current job wherever they were at coaching their teams. Um, that said, I think Mario and my understanding from talking to different people, he was never going to take this job seriously or at least you know, consider it or, or get down and talk to anybody about it until after the Pac-12 championship game. Okay. And if you follow the way the search has gone, it, it makes total sense, right? That Miami is waiting to talk to him after he's done with the game. Um, and, you know, if he's going to take the job, it sure seems like they'll be happy to announce that. And if he turns them down, it sure seems like it'll be Manny Diaz coming back because I, I just don't know unless, unless uh, a guy like Lane Kiffin is just waiting out there, waiting to see if Manny's, I mean, if uh, Mario's going to turn it down, but I, I just don't get the sense that that's happened. It would be a complete surprise to me. It would be a Lincoln Riley to USC type surprise to me if Lane Kiffin is all of a sudden announced as Miami's coach on Sunday or Saturday after Mario has his conversation with Miami's administration. I would be completely shocked. Um, I think this is a give Mario some time after the bowl, after his Pac-12 championship game, and then if he doesn't want the job, then they transition to Manny. It just seems that way from everybody that I've been talking to. Um, all that said, uh, it, it's, it's been an interesting wild ride and it's only going to get more interesting in the, in the days and times ahead, Carlos. I mean, uh, if, if Mario turns Miami down and, and Manny comes back, oh my and, God! I mean, you know, you know how that's going to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to be world war three. It's going to be chicken little the sky is falling, but you know, I think like you, to your point, I think what you saw when, with the information that's been released this week about what happened with Brian Kelly and how quickly that thing turned around is you can get a lot of this stuff done, like you just said, in the background in terms of numbers and in terms of what's good, what, what package it takes to get the guy there. And then the last step in the process is having that short conversation with the administrator, whoever's making the hiring decision, so that coach and that administrator can get on the same page and say, okay, listen, what's the vision? What are we doing? What do we have? All the numbers are lined up. Cool. Then let's talk one on one and tell me how you what freedom you're going to give me, what kind of control, what what do I have in, in terms of power over my program to be able to make this decision? I need to know these things up front. The numbers can be right. But if you limit my power, if you limit my my control over my program, then I have an issue with that. But as, if, if both things align, then we're OK. So that's a conversation that doesn't take, you know, two, two, three, four, five meetings that's you know a one-hour phone conversation and brian kelly's 45 minutes um after the numbers are all hammered out you know if they've got the numbers hammered out on the backside, then mario can make that decision pretty quickly um also as far as the ad is concerned like i said about 
those pre-screening questions. I think one of those pre-screening questions to AD candidates is, how do you feel about having a coach in place uh, before you're hired? How would you feel if that coach is A, B, or C? Mario Cristobal, Lane Kiffin, or you know, I'm just throwing names out. Gus Malzahn, whatever the case may be. These are the three candidates we have. Would you be okay with those guys being in place before you're hired? Are you okay with that? And if they say no, then you know what? You got to get out. Or if, if the option is, if we cannot land these two or three targets or Mario, are you okay with bringing back Manny Diaz, which is kind of having you evaluate him for a year? Is that okay with you? Because at the end of the day, that, what that becomes then is you are now giving the AD the power if Manny comes back to evaluate him and hire his own or her own guy, right? Right. And to fill that, that head coaching position. So that's not that big of a deal. They'll, they'll be more okay, I think, with having Manny in place for another year than, say, being forced to take Mario if they're not into that. So some candidates might shy away from that. But if you're a smart AD and you've seen what Mario's accomplished in, in, at Oregon and over the course of his career, I think most people would be okay with that unless there's not a personality fit, which is one of the main issues he had with Blake James. Um, and as far as the Epstein stuff and all the shit that's been circulating, people saying that, you know, all this stuff's being thrown out by Manny Sr. into the media and Epstein. And, dude, nobody knew who the fuck this guy Epstein was a couple of weeks ago. You're echoing his name on a constant basis, on a daily basis. So you're the ones that are perpetuating his media propaganda. Why don't you just ignore it? If you know it's false, if you know all this stuff is just getting thrown around and whipped around to make the University of Miami look incompetent and look like they don't have a clue, then why do you continue to echo and repeat it? Why do you continue to give this person a platform? He's making moves without even having to say anything, if this right. is the case, right? So stop talking about it. Stop saying it. Just rely on the real reporting. Rely on what you can factually approve or that you've been told by reliable sources and not the things that you know are just being swirled around to piss people off and get people in a frenzy. But people feed off that shit and they love being you know, whipped up into a frenzy over indecision at the program and, and being fed the line that the university is still a mess and it's never going to get right and you know, they need to keep Manny or not keep it, whatever the case may be. Just don't give this guy another platform. Don't echo his voice. All, all I can say, okay, in, in my opinion, I, I feel like the administration and the people that Frank put in charge, A, they're, they're successful people, okay? Rudy Fernandez, uh, Echeverria, all of these guys have been successful in their own profession. I think they're going about this the right way. I think they're, they've made it a much smaller group of people who know what's really going on. Okay. That's, that's been said to me since November 2nd. Okay. Um, they, they, they've been acting uh, in, in a responsible manner, going about this, hiring a search firm, knowing that they need some assistance in this. And while there were people who had more influence in the decision-making process before, okay. Um, that w- were part of, the Blake James regime, um, th- some of those people have been X'd out. And while there's a lot of people who want to have a voice with football and it's a fun thing to be a part of, there, there just aren't a lot of people who have voices in this. And it's a very tight inner circle of people who ultimately are going to make the decisions here. And I, I respect the way that they're doing it. You know, there as, as much communication as I may be having with some of those people, um, direct and getting facts, they also are not telling me everything. And, I, and I've been upfront and honest from the get-go that, look, I don't have every answer. You know what I'm saying? I just don't. I don't have every answer. I know everybody wants every answer, but I don't. All I know for sure is that Eddie Nunez was liked, is liked. And if he's the guy that they ultimately settle on, I think they'll make a push for him. But there are other star, quote-unquote, star candidates in the athletic director push. I don't know who those people are. I do believe that Miami feels they have a chance at landing a really good athletic director. And that's all you can hope for as a Miami fan, right? You're hoping that they get this job right 
and that they're able to convince Mario Cristobal to come. And if those things don't happen in terms of Cristobal, um, we'll see. We'll see what the administration decides to do. Then we'll see what the new athletic director decides to do. But as I've mentioned here before and tried to educate you guys, Miami wouldn't be the only school to hire a new athletic director and bring the same football coach back. OK, right. uh, that's happened at other places. And then things are changed a year later. And that and that very well could be the scenario here. We don't know. We'll see. Um, and like you said, let's be real. If the University of Miami at the end of the day, once they can, they can they conclude all these interviews and they go through all the candidates. And at the end of the day, they feel that, you know what, we want to circle back to Eddie Nunez, even though Eddie pulled his hat out of the ring. They could try and bring him back in if they wanted to. Yeah, if absolutely. they wanted to, if they wanted to. Um, all right. Aside from all that. The all ACC team was picked, right? We know that. Um, we also know uh, that uh, Tyler Van Dyke was the ACC Rookie of the Year, which is nice. He's the third ACC Rookie of the Year from Miami um, in terms of uh, uh, Duke Johnson and Brad Kaya being the other ones. Um, this is good for 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 Tyler. I wanted. To, I, I don't want this to be just the athletic director, you know, coach uh, <laughs> show. I want to be able to talk about this. I voted in the All ACC voting. Um, I will tell you, so that people know this, um, that um, not every Miami Hurricanes player is nominated, and so there were certain guys that that you just couldn't vote for. For instance, Nessa Silvera, he wasn't on the ballot, um, even though he was you know, among the, the higher ranked defensive tackles in the ACC. Um, Jared Williams, not on the ballot, even though he was the number three or number four offensive tackle in the ACC. Um, yeah, I would have figured he would have been on the ballot. He could have been second or third team easy. So pe- people need to know that right off the bat. And I think the way that they do this, it's 50 media voters, 14 coaches, the, the 14 ACC coaches who get to vote. Um, you're not allowed to vote for your own team. Now, I don't know if that includes the media. <laughs> In other <laughs> words, we can't vote for players on the, on, the, on the teams that we represent or the teams that we cover, rather. Um, but I know from a coaching perspective, I think that that's probably what it meant, okay, from when I read the ballot. But either way, congrats to Tyler Van Dyke, who didn't get a single vote uh, among the quarterbacks, even though I voted him third team. So I'm, I tend to believe my votes for any UM players didn't count. Uh, because I voted Tyler Van Dyke third team quarterback in the ACC, which would have made him honorable mention. Was an honorable mention. So who was uh, who was the the third team ACC quarterback? I, I got to go back here and pull up the email of of. I uh, figure it was uh, Kenny Pickett, Brennan Armstrong were the top two, right? Maybe uh, Sam. Might have been. Let me look at the uh, release that I was given. If I can find it, I've, I've, it's buried under a mountain of other crap here. Uh, no, no big deal. I've just uh, slowed the show to a grinding halt. That's fine. Yeah, no problem. I, I, but but look, I mean, second team for uh, Scaife was Warren. He was <laughs> one of the top four offensive guards, according to Pro Football Focus, in terms of grades. So that didn't surprise me. Zion, Which to me is, is, is shocking because of the, the progression, right, compared to where he was last year. Right. Um, that's a, a, a huge improvement for him. That doesn't mean he's he should go out and enter the NFL draft. I don't know that he's one of those guys, I think he'd be encouraged to come back. But, um, you know, Zion Nelson, who I think is a better draft prospect, he, he got honorable mention. He was the seventh ranked because I did all the research, dude. I spent five hours picking that all ACC team. Okay. Jesus. Uh, going through the stats, because when, when you're given that ballot, all you're given is name, school and position. You're not given <laughs> no, no info, <laughs> no info. So you got to do all your own homework, right? When you do it. And so uh, I, I did the best I could. I put together my own list of, of candidates and I don't mind sharing that if I can find the damn document I had it on. It's somewhere around here. Um, 
but anyway, I mean, I know Miami fans are always like, oh, all ACC this, they, we never get any representation. I will tell you, there were schools that had more players on that ballot than I thought deserved. I mean, Boston College had a bunch of them. They were a six and six team. Um, you know, uh, just teams that, that, that weren't necessarily better than Miami, but they had more names on the ballot than Miami did. So when you sit Who there. Who selects you, the, the, the players from each team to be nominated? Is it the coaches or is it I the don't, media? I, I don't know how much input the coaches have. I don't know if it's the sports uh, information directors, the SIDs. I just know I asked, I said, hey, can I can I add some names to guys that I thought were worthy? And I was told, no, it's whoever's on the ballot. So, again, when you when you bitch and complain about the all ECC team and the voting and this and that, know that there's only certain amount of guys you can actually vote for. So, I, look, I, this is my order. I had Kenny Pickett one at quarterback, Devin Leary two from NC State. Not Brandon Armstrong. Not Brandon Armstrong because his team wow. was six and six. I thought Devin deserves some credit for leading NC State to, to nine and three. And then I had Tyler Van Dyke third because of the finish that he had. Running back, Sean Tucker and Ty Chandler were my first team running back. Syracuse and North Carolina. Chandler, I mean, I, Mateo Duran, and then making the team, he had six fumbles this year. I, I, thought, mm-hmm. I thought Chandler was really, really good, uh, the transfer from Tennessee for North Carolina this year. I thought yeah, he was played, really good. He played great for me. He deserved it. He was also very potent in the, uh, in the passing game. Um, and then Durant, I put Pat Garbo from Boston College, who's a thousand yard rusher, fourth, and then Corbin from FSU and Jameer Gibbs on the third team. Mm, I would have put Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs, probably second team, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, receiver, I put Addison, Downs, and Rambo, the top three. Rambo finished third in yeah. receptions in the ACC. I just thought he was more consistent. Wicks had a great season, but again, Virginia was, I mean, it, it was more of a, stu- a stat stuffer. I thought Rambo was clear cut Miami's number one receiver this year. Yeah. I mean, yes. Just in terms of production and reliability, I thought he deserved first team. It was the one Miami kid I voted first team, which is a travesty Um, that came up second team. Correct. Um, Jelani Woods, who who did make first team, the Virginia tight end, I voted him first team. Um, And then I put uh, Ford and Kroll from from Louisville and Pittsburgh. Statistically, they they put better numbers. Mallory was like fifth among the ACC tight ends in terms of production. Yeah. And he was bad the first half of the season. So, correct. Um, offensive tackles. I put Iquanu and McFadden from Clemson. I know Zach Tom ended up making first team from Wake Forest. I voted Zion Nelson fourth. Um, I thought even though he was ranked the seventh best offensive tackle, when you when you broke down pass protection, I think he was number one or two in pass protection uh, among the among the offensive tackles. Um, and then guard. Uh, let's see here: Louisville and Boston College, Caleb Chandler and Christian McConaughey. Uh, Zion Johnson, I think, ended up making first team. I put DJ Scaife. He got second team. Um, and then on defense, I mean, center, the Virginia kid, I voted first team. I think it ended up being, uh, I don't know if it was Wallaby or, or Lindstrom. I can't remember now. Um, anyway, uh, defensively, uh, Leonard Taylor was not on the ballot, by the way. James Williams was um, for safety. And then Corey Flagg, I remember being on the ballot at linebacker. And then I think they put, Zach McLeod and the Tennessee transfer on the defensive end list. So in terms of who you could vote for Miami wise, I mean, that's why, I mean, three guys ended up making the team. Everybody else was honorable mention. Yeah. I think what they were doing was picking starters. Guys listed as starters, picking starters or picking guys that they thought were, were worthy. Um, But, you know, a guy like Nessa Silvera, who I think was fifth best in, in the ACC, according to the PFF rankings, wasn't put on there. So that's weird. Yeah. So 
I mean, it is what it is. Um, but in the end, the best part, the best news for Miami was, you know, Van Dyke gets picked rookie of the year and, and was very worthy. I think I was I was happy to see that he got it because while Will Shipley is a good player for Clemson, Van Dyke was without question the, the star of the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Not even close. You know, having six straight games of 300 plus yards passing and three touchdowns is is pretty impressive. And he's going to carry that over into the bowl game. Hopefully he continues that streak. Yep. Yep. So tonight uh, I'm going to do another spaces, but I'm actually going to do it for the athletic on the athletic website. Mike Zimmerman, my producer is going to be involved. I think the only people who can ask questions are subscribers to the athletic. You can, listen oh, there in. you go. You can listen in if you're not a subscriber, but I don't think you can ask questions. So I've seen Andy Staples and some of our national reporters do this. Um, they're excited about the fact that I've been doing these Twitter spaces and having, you know, some good turnout. Um, Eddie Nunez actually tapped into the, to the space that I saw I that. Yeah. the other night. Um, I was on that one. Yeah. Uh, so and people made a big deal of that. Um, but listen, I, I like those spaces because you, you can, you can have discussions. What kills me is the re the repetition, like the same questions. Yeah. People tune in at different times and it's like the same questions over and over. But um, but we'll do that for the athletic tonight. Um, anything else on your mind, Carlos, before we wrap this episode up? I'm going to make this short and sweet because they're beyond the news of the week of, of the all ACC teams and obviously what's going to happen with Cristobal this weekend. I, and besides the 97 Twitter spaces you've already done this week. I yeah, mean, you already talked up. I'm tuckered out, man. I'm tuckered out. And you know what I think you should do is you should do a Twitter space for the athletic where it's only athletic subscribers that can listen or ask questions. But you do it like kind of like an acoustic close contra like the MTV unplug thing. You just sit on a stool with like an acoustic guitar and then you answer questions as you, as you strum. Like you that'd go. be really cool. There you, you could go. look like a, like a young Kurt Cobain. There you go. Uh, I, I look, man, um, all these conspiracy theorists. I just want to say this once. I have never spoken to Epstein, <laughs> never spoken to the dude. <laughs> um, and nobody's paying me to write articles a certain way, all that kind of stuff. It's all BS. And without question, Nunez was a serious candidate and, and might still be. We'll see what happens going forward. He pulled his name out. That was legit. I explained the reasons. That's that's legit. We'll see who else. And, and let's be real, man. Let's be real. As long as Mario Cristobal gets hired, nobody's going to give a shit who, who gets hired as the AD, right? <laughs> like if Mario gets hired first, all these people that are losing their mind over the AD search are going to be like, eh, who cares? Right, right. That's great. I'm glad. And and bring Zoe in, right? And bring Zoe in. Yeah. Just make sure Zoe's there. We'll see how that whole hierarchy works. I can tell you, um, I think, you know, they, I, they do want to create a position for somebody in the alumni to be involved. I think they do want to bridge that gap. I think there's a lot of reasons why putting some, somebody from the alumni in a, in a power position makes sense. Uh, one, you know, you've had a lot of guys speaking out negatively on the program, right. Over, over the years, you can try to unify the voice, have them be a full support system for the coach versus, um, somebody who goes off on a rant every now and then and just tears the program apart in the public eye. I think, I think if they can, if they can create some somewhere for the alumni to go and, and improve the sideline axis, they'll be happy. Yeah. And I'll tell you what the best way to do that is now, listen, Rudy, I'm going to drop this dime on you for free. The next one you got to pay for. All right. I'm telling you beer <laughs> and wing advisor, consultant, director, whatever you want to say. Um, czar. So what they should do is create a position of a director of football alumni that is in charge of not only holding meetings with alumni on a regular periodic basis where they're getting feedback from these guys, but also coordinates when and how these guys can go and speak to players, engage them, 
try and get them to mentor players, right? Assign maybe each new freshman with a, a, a University of Miami alumni as a mentor to help their development and ingrain them into the University of Miami football culture and to also sort of, uh, you know, organize how people are set up on the sidelines or create a specific space for these guys where they're not roaming up and down the sidelines like they used to because there's too many of them. Now, back in the 80s, you could do that shit because there wasn't that many guys in the league. Now there's so many guys that have played in the league. You want to have sort of a coordinated effort where all of them can be near the sideline or on the sideline in some case, but have that sort of special section for them and have that be an interactive thing where they can still you know, engage the players and the coaches, but be away from everybody so they don't get in the way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there you go, Rudy. Drop the free dime on you. The next one costs. <laughs> Carlos, thanks, man. Uh, will I see you in the space tonight? I don't know, bro. Depends what time you do it. If it's like after 10 o'clock, you know, uh, I'm just too old for that shit. I just can't do it. Um, I got to get up so early to drop my my daughter off to school. And uh, there's so many, only so many times I could hear the same question. And I don't know how you don't lose your shit. I'm listening to it. And I'm like, I'm about to throw my phone. The other one that continues to come up is, um, do you think that, you know, maybe if they fire uh, Manny, that he could stay on and some, no, bro, he's not going to stay on as DC. And um, not that I'm making fun of people that ask that question. Maybe some people honestly don't know, but it's incredible. Like today, I texted you and Kelvin. I went to go pick up food, some breakfast at Latin American Miami Links, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm standing at La Ventanita waiting to pick up my food. And I hear some dudes talking behind me with their little cafecito in their hand. And I hear them talking about UM and college football. And this is the level of discussion that's going on. One of the guys says, um, you know, Alabama's going to beat Georgia. Uh, Georgia's not that good. They don't have a quarterback. And the other guy goes, well, who knows? I think maybe Connecticut can win the national championship. Who would have thought Connecticut would have been in the top four? And I'm like, look at this guy. Who, what? Connecticut, the same <laughs> basketball, bro. It's not even like this isn't this isn't that, that t- like what are you saying? And then the guy has to go, oh no, I think you're talking about Cincinnati. Oh yeah, yeah, Cincinnati. I'm like, what? Then they're talking about Mario Cristobal, and one of the, the same guy goes, yeah, he's a Florida boy. Did you know he's from Florida? I'm like, bro, did you know he's from like Sweetwater? Like, dog, Florida. <laughs> the guy went to Columbus, bro. Yeah. Did you not? You probably were in catechism with the guy, my man. Like, you don't know who Mario Cristobal is. Like, this is the shit we're dealing with. Like, I can't take these people. Yeah. I know, brother. I know. Well, listen, thanks for joining me for this episode, and we'll keep you guys posted. We'll probably have an emergency podcast uh, if there's serious news this weekend. If not, we'll be back next week. Yeah, just make I, sure it's like no no later than like 9 o'clock, because then, then the emergency is all you. By the way, Monday is supposed to be the last day there's there's any question about the head coaching job. At that point, we should have some clarity after Monday. That I was told. So that is fact written in stone, okay? And, and by Wednesday, we should have clarity on whether or not Rudy's going to make me a czar of something. Right. We will see. Chances are no, but we can we can hold out hope. We'll talk to you guys next week. That's this week's episode of Wide Right. Y'all know y'all come down that way.